Welcome to the Compelling Words Podcast. The Word of God is meant to move us. It's meant to call us to action. Listen in as Kevin Purdy teaches and presents a genuine and compelling message from the Word of God. So what do you think the most well-known Bible verse is? I mean, we have choices. I mean, is it Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. That's very well known. What about Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans that I have for you. How about Philippians 4, 13? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And what about Romans 8, 28? Uh, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. We, we have several verses that we are quite familiar with, but as it was said, probably the most well-known Bible verse has to be John 3.16. I'll say it, and you fill in the missing word as I read through this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Last week, I started a sermon series, a message series that I'm calling Salvation Words. I'm speaking on words that are in the Bible that are associated with salvation. Now, in the Bible, salvation is the word that is used to basically mean it means that we are right with God. The relationship is restored. We are right with God. We are saved. That's our salvation. We have salvation when we're saved from our sin. We have salvation when we're forgiven, when the grace of God washes over our sin. We have salvation when God brings us into his family, when he adopts us as his children. John 3.16 says, we shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, John 3.16 is a salvation verse. Eternal life means salvation. We have eternal life. That means we are saved. That's salvation. And this verse tells us that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. It's not the only time the Bible ever, it's not the only time that the Bible connects the word believes with salvation. It's not the only time. The Bible very explicitly calls us to believe. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Mark 16, verse 16 says, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. In the book of Acts, you probably remember this story, Paul and Silas were locked away. They were put in prison because they had been sharing the faith. And there's this earthquake that happens, and it shakes the walls, and it breaks the chains loose. Paul and Silas don't escape. They stay there and wait. The jailer comes in, and he's so impressed by what they've done, how they've stayed, he asks this question in Acts 16, verse 30 and 31. What must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved, you and your household. 
John 6.40 says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. You see, the Bible says it over and over again, calls us to belief. Salvation means that we have heard the gospel. We talked about that last Sunday. We have to hear the gospel, and now we learn that salvation comes when we believe the gospel. We hear and we believe. Is the God of the Bible real? Is Jesus real? Is Jesus the Son of God, Lord and Savior? Did my sin, the guilt of my sin, break my relationship with God? And therefore, because of that, I have earned a punishment for my sin. And did Jesus pay for my sin by dying upon the cross? Do you believe that? What does it mean to believe that? What does it look like when we believe the gospel? Sometimes I think we read or we hear John 3.16, and I think sometimes we misunderstand it. Because sometimes we misunderstand what it means to believe. According to most of the research, most Americans say that they believe in God. In a 2018 Gallup poll that asked a simple yes or no question, do you believe in God? 87% of people said yes. 87% of people said yes, I believe in God. And I'm guessing that most of those same people assume that when they die, they will go to be with the Lord in heaven. And if you ask them why, if you ask them that question, why will you go to be with the Lord in heaven when you pass from this earth? If you ask that question, I think most of them will say, because I believe in God. Because I believe in God. You see, they kind of believe that believing in God just means that they think he's real. But we need to look close, closer and what it actually means to believe. What does it actually mean to believe? In the Bible, there's over a dozen words, Hebrew, Greek words, there's over a dozen of them that get translated to our English word, believe. Most, um, all of those words kind of fall within two different type of definitions. Two basic. The first definition of believing is this. It's the acknowledgement of the mind. It's accepting that something is true. It's intellectual. It's logical. It is a mental agreement. That's the basic surface level understanding of what it means to believe. In John chapter 2, Jesus was in Jerusalem. It's during the Passover feast. And he's been teaching and he's been doing miracles. And here's what we read in John chapter 2, verse 23 through 24. And this is the English Standard Version. It says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. Verse 23 tells us that these people witnessed the miracles. They saw what Jesus was doing. They saw these fabulous, amazing miracles. And they believed in Jesus. But verse 24 tells us 
that Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew them. He knew their hearts. You see, they believed because of the evidence. They were convinced of it with their minds. They believed it because of what they saw. They believed, they acknowledged, they recognized who he was in their minds. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They accepted that that was true. But apparently it was superficial. It it was empty. It, It was hollow. They believed it up here in their heads, but they did not believe it here in their hearts. They believed, but it was held back. And it was restrained. It was inconsequential. I like what John Calvin said in regards to these believers. John Calvin said, They assent to the gospel, not that they may devote themselves in obedience to Christ, but because they do not venture to reject entirely the truth which they have known. And especially when they can find no reason for opposing it. So in other words, they believed because they saw it. They saw no reason not to believe, but they didn't believe with any intent of subscribing to it. They didn't believe with any intent to follow that. You see, here's what I want to kind of summarize this with. Sometimes we believe just enough that we cannot deny the truth that there's a God. But sometimes we don't believe enough to let the truth of God change our life. Sometimes we believe just enough that we won't and can't deny that God is there, that God is real, but we don't believe enough to actually let that shape and change our life. The thing is, though, the Bible doesn't let us sit in the middle ground. We can't stay there. We can't sit in that middle ground. The Bible doesn't let us do that. Because when the Bible calls us to believe, it's much deeper, it's more richer, more meaningful, and more significant. And that brings us deeper to the next level definition of what it means to believe. The Bible speaks of belief as an act of trust. It's an act of trust. When we believe in God, we place our trust in God. When we believe in God, we place our faith in God. When we believe in God, it makes a difference in how we live life. I I bought a treadmill this week. Uh, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, no, he bought a coat rack this week. (laughs) Because, I mean, that kind of turns out to be that, doesn't it? I bought this treadmill. I found it online for what I thought was a good price. I thought, I believed that it was a good deal. I acknowledged it in my mind. I accepted that as true. I said, hey, here's a treadmill. Good deal, fair price, good price. I believe that. But then I took the next step. I contacted the seller agreed to the purchase, and then I went and I picked it up. I didn't just believe that it was a good deal. I committed to it, and I made the purchase. You see, my belief was more than just intellectual. It was more than just saying, yep, that's true, good deal, fair price. I actually engaged, I made action, I 
executed. I put it into action. Came home, got it home, plugged it in. It worked. I have not walked on it yet. (laughs) That day will come. You see, believing in Jesus is... Believing in Jesus is more than just a mental acknowledgement. It's more than just a mental acknowledgement that he is real. Believing in Jesus means that we put trust, we take action, we put our faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Believing in Jesus means that we submit to Jesus. We let him take the lead. He becomes the authority. We live underneath his authority. In the original language of the New Testament, the word believe is the Greek verb pistuia. And that word not only implies an acceptance of certain facts and trusting him, that word, that Greek word, doesn't just mean accepting facts. It also means to comply. To comply. It's the opposite of the Greek word apisteo, which means to disobey. So the Greek word for believe is the opposite of what it means to disobey. So when we say we believe in Jesus, that means we're doing the opposite of disobeying. Believing in Jesus means that we obey Jesus. We comply to his will. You all know this, it's like the old church hymn. We trust and we obey. That's what it means to believe. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And in James chapter 2, verse 19, the Bible says, You believe that there is one God, good, But the demons believe that too, and they tremble with fear. The Message Bible is a paraphrase. I don't like to study a lot from it because it's just a paraphrase. It doesn't translate the Bible directly. It essentially translates the intent or the summary. It paraphrases the Bible. But sometimes a paraphrase can pick up the tone of a passage more than a direct translation will. And here's how the Message Bible quotes this James passage, James 2, 19 and 20. It says, Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you'd done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do for them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hand? We cannot live our life on our terms, and then say, oh yes, I believe in Jesus. It doesn't work that way. We can't say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to do what I want to do. That doesn't work, because believing in Jesus means submitting to him. Believing in Jesus means that we have lined up behind him. He is in the lead. He is in charge. He has the authority over us. Believing in Jesus means that we have faith, faith that is evident in how we live. A faith that should be reflected in how we talk, in our attitudes, in our habits, in our priorities. And and I hate to say it, but the stats and all the survey, all the data shows us that people who claim to be believers 
are often not living according to how Jesus has called us to live. That's what all the data shows us. In Hebrews 10, the Bible tells us not to give up on meeting together. It says, do not forsake the assembly. Church attendance in our country is in a very, very rapid decline. Even people who claim to be committed believers are attending church less frequently. It used to be, if you said, yes, I'm a committed believer, I believe in Christ, that used to mean that I do whatever I can to be on church, to be in church on Sunday. Even if I'm out of town, even if I'm on vacation, I'm going to church somewhere because I'm part of the church, the global church. I'm a Christian. It's a priority for me. It, mean, it used to mean I'm at church four Sundays a month, 52 Sundays a year. Now, committed believers, if they go to church once every three or four weeks, they say, I'm a regular attender. It's sad to see. I don't know where we've got, how we've gotten to this, but church attendance has declined. It's not, no longer a priority. Even for people who say, I am a committed believer. We're not living how God has called us and commanded us to live. James 3.10 says, out of the same mouth comes both praise and cursing, and this should not be. Have you noticed how common profanity is? How common it has become? Even for believers, vulgar insults get chanted against people that we dislike or disagree with. And people will excuse that language and their anger and their hatred because after all, that's the enemy. There's nothing good about that person. I don't like that person. So it's okay for me to use these slang terms against them. Did Jesus not say, love even your enemy? We, we don't have to agree. We don't have to agree. But we ought to be respectful. We ought to be civil. Do you know why there's such profanity in our culture? Because what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Jesus said it like this. In Matthew 12, Jesus said, the mouth speaks what is in the heart. And let me tell you, there's a lot of Christians that must have some filth down in their hearts because it's coming out of their mouths. We're not living how God has called us to live. Philippians 2.3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others above ourselves. Isaiah 58.10 says, Spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed. John 13, verse 34 and 35 says, As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. They will know that we are Jesus' disciples, not when we're yelling out our views, not when we're being hateful against those who disagree, but when we love. I was talking with somebody this past week, another a good Christian friend of mine, and he said he has always wanted to confuse the world. And I said, 
what, what do you mean by that? And he said, I always want to confuse the world because I want the world to look at me and go, I don't like your view on homosexuality. I don't like your view on some of this stuff, but I can't help but liking you because you're such a caring person. I want to hate you, but I can't because I love you, because you love me. He says, I want to confuse the world. I think that's a good approach to take. They'll know we're his disciples by how we love. If we believe, it should be evident. If we believe, our life should be shaped according to the teachings of Jesus. If we believe, our heart of stone will be replaced with a heart of flesh and we become more and more like Jesus as we grow closer and closer to him. Whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. When we go all in like this, when we go all in like this and we believe in Jesus, not just believing that he's real, but putting our faith in him, putting our trust in him, submitting to him as Lord and Savior, then we are no longer our own. We are no longer under the curse of our own sin. We are forgiven. The blood of Jesus washes us clean. We are made right. We are reconciled with God. We, can, we, are, we are rescued we can no longer be accused and we have a peace that is beyond understanding. The Holy Spirit comes into our life and God is with us. That's what happens when we believe. Colossians 1 verse 15 through 21 says, The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. Please listen carefully. Believing in Jesus does not make you a Christian. Believing in Jesus does not make you a Christian if believing just means that you think that Jesus, God, and the Bible, and all that Christian stuff is real. You need to believe Yes, we need to believe in Jesus, but that belief needs to lead to surrender. David Platt said it like this. He said, churches are filled with supposed Christians who seem content to have casual association with Christ while giving nominal adherence to Christianity. Scores of men, women, and children have been told that becoming a follower of Jesus simply involves acknowledging certain facts or saying certain words. But this is not true. The call to follow Jesus is not simply an invitation to pray a prayer. It's a summons to lose our lives. In Luke 9, verse 23 and 24, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. 
but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Our life is meant to be given up and surrendered to the will of God. We die to ourselves and we live for the Lord. Each and every day we ask that question and we make the decision to do what God has called us to do. Thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate this podcast. May the word of God be living and active in your life.